This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Nice to have you along. Libby returns in a couple of weeks after her summer vacation. And speaking of summer, we are officially in the summer political season when you can expect to see federal election candidates in your riding vying for your vote. Is it too soon to be talking about the October federal election or do you already know which party is getting your vote and why? For those who are undecided, we're also curious how you came to your decision. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Joining us to discuss the dynamics of the federal election campaign in these unofficial early days, John Capobianco, political commentator, senior VP and senior partner at Fleischman Hillard High Road. John, welcome. Thank you so much, Jane. Good to be here. In studio with me is Charles Bird, Managing Principal of the Toronto Office of Earns Cliff Strategy Group. Thanks for coming in, Charles. Hello, Jane. And on the phone, Lauren Bozanoff, President of the Forum Research Group. Lauren, thank you for joining us as well. Hi, Jane. This is our Tuesday strategy panel. Charles, I'll start with you. Maybe we should begin with the Andrew Shear factor. He did a wide-ranging interview this week talking about how he wants to be seen as a moderate and not a radical, which he says Justin Trudeau is painting him. He also said a couple of weeks ago he wants to be his own man and doesn't want to be compared to Ontario Premier Doug Ford, whose popularity has been declining in the polls. Is there substance to what he's saying? Well, I don't blame him for saying any of it. I mean, it really is what he needs to be saying. Part of the challenge for any leader of the opposition is that no one believes that he or she is going to become prime minister until the exact moment that they actually do become prime minister. And he is a relatively unknown commodity at the moment in the eyes of Canadians, not terribly well known, narrowly won uh, his party's leadership at the uh, party convention two years ago over Maxime Bernier. Um, You can imagine what things would look like if Monsieur Bernier had uh, won the leadership. Um, So one of the dangers he faces is that um, there will be a conscious effort on the part of his opponents and numerous third-party organizations to define him in the eyes of Canadians, to define him as someone who's too right of centre for where mainstream Canadians sit, as someone who doesn't believe in the science of climate change, let alone having put out a platform without targets. Uh, so he's doing the right thing politically by being out there and trying to set straight what he's about and what his priorities are. The big question is whether he'll be able to accomplish Is he a moderate? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he comes very much from the Stephen Harper uh, line of the party, which is, you know, pre-Trump, bare-knuckled and take no prisoners. And, uh, and that's what Canadians rejected wholeheartedly in 2015. John, uh, we'll go over to you now. What do you think about what Shear is saying uh, in terms of him saying he is a moderate or is that simply a sales job as Charles is suggesting? Is he his own man or does he identify very much with the policies of Premier Doug Ford? 
Well, I would expect Charles to say exactly what he said, uh, because obviously I think as as uh, as uh, election nears, I think the Liberals are worried. Uh, given their polling numbers, they should be worried, uh, and given the performance of their prime minister and their party over the last little while, they should be they should be extremely worried. So I think I think what you're seeing is Andrew Scheer um, trying to uh, identify himself, trying to build a narrative around who he is and and what he wants to do as leader of the party. Um, Charles is right about one thing that he that he said, uh, and that is um, opposition leaders don't get a lot of press and, and a lot of people don't know who they are. Justin Trudeau was different because of his name and his family, uh, his family name, and of course he came in as liberal leader with uh, with a huge amount of name recognition. Um, plus, but, but also when he was the opposition leader, um, you can attack the government as he did, uh, and he was able to effectively um, put uh, Stephen Harper and the government into a corner and, and won the election. And then I think, and Lauren will agree with this as a pollster, but uh, people, uh, governments are voted out, not voted in. Um, and I think what uh, what we're seeing now is um, Canadians being fed up with the Liberals. Uh, you know, Justin Trudeau came in with a huge amount of promise and all these all these ideas and hope and opportunity. Uh, and we've seen that fizzle over the last uh, three and a half years. Um, and I think what what Andrew Scheer has to do is basically try to inoculate himself from what are going to be attacks, such as what Charles was saying and others about him being a Stephen Harper guy, which he's not. Um, I think the ads that the liberals are, what you're seeing on the TV and others about him being uh, a Stephen Harper type guy, this mean guy, uh, is just not washing with uh, with the public. They're, they're seeing a different type of Andrew Scheer. Uh, and he's not like Stephen Harper, and I think that's why they're uh, they're not doing so well with the uh, with the with the ads. Well, why is your perspective so diametrically opposed from Charles? Uh, Charles says he is very much from the Stephen Harper camp. Uh, help us understand why you think differently. Well, because he's not. It, it, you know, at the end of the day. Um, Andrew Scheer was Speaker of the House uh, and was not part of the Stephen Harper caucus and wasn't part of the Stephen Harper uh, team uh, per se, but you know he was certainly a member of the Conservative Party and, and a proud member of the Conservative Party, but he was Speaker of the House, so he didn't have the, the ministerial responsibilities that others did that would sort of make it easy for someone to point to him and say, oh, he's a Stephen Harper guy. But what about on policy, though? What about on policy? Just by way of personality as well, Jane. You know, he's just not Stephen Harper. Okay, Uh, Lauren, let's go over to you. Sheer continues to be in the lead, despite the fact that many Canadians don't know a lot about him. What what factor is playing into that right now? Well, you know, I'm I'm looking at his approval ratings. He's he's never really held office. He he was the speaker, but um, he has a negative approval rating. Uh, His approval rating is 34 percent. His disapproval is 41 percent. The only places he's in positive territory are in the prairies, both in uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and also in Alberta. In every other region in the country, uh, more people disapprove of him than approve of him. And as they say, he hasn't even taken office yet. And in terms of Prime Minister Trudeau, his popularity, his support was declining around the SNC-Lavalin scandal. That seems to be bouncing back a bit. Is that an accurate portrayal of what's happening? That's true. The Tory lead is is shrinking. It has been ticking down slightly month by month over the last uh, three or four months. So the race is actually tightening. We still have the Tories ahead, though. When you look back at previous campaigns, Lauren, is this a good position that uh, Justin Trudeau finds himself in four months out from the election, just slightly behind or four or five points behind? You know, it's not so bad, but just think think of the last election. Uh, Harper was leading right right up until the, the start of the election, so right through the summer. 
right into the, the start of the fall campaign. Um, the lead then changed twice. Then Mulcair was leading, and, and finally Trudeau won it. So this far out, so, you know, campaigns do matter. It is, it is of course, best to be uh, out front uh, going into into the the, the 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 heat of the campaign, but. Um, things can really change these days. Let's get to our Zoomer radio listeners who want to get in on this conversation as well. The early, unofficial days of the federal election campaign, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Margaret in Mississauga, go ahead. You're on Zoomer radio. Thank you for taking my call, Jane. I really enjoy your program. Thank you. What's on your mind? strongly recommend that John Tory consider running for either premier or prime minister. He's a very clever man. He knows his business. He is not uh, oh, just dissenting the, the other candidates. And he really, really would make a good premier or prime minister. I believe he's a conservative now, but would he sh- sh- change his uh, uh, to liberal and he would go in flying in without any problem. Well, now he has three more years uh, to be mayor of Toronto, minimum, and he hasn't ruled out a third term. Um, he started talking about that in, the, that in the early days of his mandate, that maybe he would go for a round three to see through his vision. It's funny, Charles, that John Tory's name has come up a lot lately. Uh, for one, there was a poll done uh, about him being the liberal leader in Ontario. He's shown no interest. He has not mentioned provincial, because he was in provincial politics, but he hasn't talked at all about federal politics. Do you see him going in that direction, not this time around, but maybe down the road? It would be fascinating to watch. I think he's just one of the more most popular mayors that Toronto has ever seen. He's done a terrific job. His uh, credibility and likability has been boosted enormously by what the Toronto Raptors did. He's uh, skilled. He's experienced in the business community. He's conscientious, great family. I mean, the guy is has really emerged as one of the top political figures in the country. The likelihood of him running for Ontario Liberal Party leader, I would say close to nil mm-hmm. um, at this point. But, you know, it's, it's really up to him. And I agree with your caller that if he were to do it, my goodness, what a what a battle that would set up with Doug Ford come the next provincial election. John, do you think, uh, despite the fact that he is a mayor of of Canada's biggest city, do do the leaders Andrew Scheer, Jagmeet Singh, Elizabeth May, Justin Trudeau, do they take any notes about John Tory, the way in which he conducts himself and the way in which he conducts business, in terms of adopting those qualities? Because clearly, he is extremely popular. He is, and I think every leader, you know, looks to other leaders to see what works, what doesn't work, and and uh, you know, reads autobiographies of successful leaders of the past uh, just to get a sense of, of what makes them work, what makes them tick. I, I've known uh, John Tory for, for decades, in fact, when he was leader of the Conservative Party in Ontario. I was a big supporter of his, and uh, and since then, and in fact, when he ran the first time for mayor, I was, um, I was um, his campaign co-chair. 
so I know him quite well, and I know uh, the, and the caller uh, is absolutely right about about John um, and, um, and and his qualities and, and his popularity. Um, but I can say I can say uh, and, and agree with with Charles's assessment that it's uh, it's almost nil that he will run not only for the Liberal leadership, let alone uh, the Conservative uh, you know leadership down the road if there's ever an opening, uh, either federally or provincially. Um, I think John is absolutely content at being the mayor. Um, he may very well run a third term, but he's doing a great job at it, and I think he just wants to, you know, end his political career, I guess, uh, whenever it happens to be, uh, being the most successful mayor in Toronto, which I think he has the right to do. But I do think, to your, your question, Jane, that, that no question that other leaders would look to see, you know, what, what John does or how he conducts himself uh, on various policy issues, um, you know, because obviously whoever becomes the next prime minister, if it's Justin re-elected or if it's Andrew Scheer, um, they're going to have to work with John Tory uh, for the next three years plus. Let's talk to Lauren Bozanoff again. Uh, Lauren, do you see this race, this federal election race, being strictly between Trudeau and Scheer? Uh, will Jugmeet Singh, Elizabeth May, Maxime Bernier play into it at all? You know what? Probably uh, not directly. Indirectly, they, they may, um, you know, bleed support away from the Liberals or, or in Bernier's case, from the Tories and, and, and affect the, the, the race that way. But I think at this point, they're pretty much uh, relegated to being third parties. Again, keep your calls coming. It is the early going, but we know that in the summer, the candidates for all the parties are out there at barbecues, um, kissing babies, <laughs> rubbing the bellies of dogs, you know, shaking hands, trying to ingratiate themselves into your lives, into your family's life and try to win your vote. Are you undecided or is it pretty well a slam dunk? You know which party you're voting for, you know which leader you like, you know which candidate you like in your particular riding. 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. Ralph in Toronto, go ahead. You're next. Hi. Well, I'm all confused, I'll be honest with you. We've all voted Liberal, my family here. Never again. I mean, he's gone radical. He's given money out to everybody, and it just doesn't make sense to us anymore. So we're looking at the, sheer, the shears. Now, I don't know. I was watching Question Period uh, last week, and when Kelly Leach got up and said she was quitting, uh, and she told us why about what they were going to do to her because of all her ideas about uh, Canadian values and everything else. They sort of like turned me off on the sheer people there. And now I'm looking at the People's Party, I'll be honest with you. I saw that on CP24 Friday, uh, exactly all the people that joined the People's Party, and they're pro-Canadian. They want our values. Uh, They want to make sure the right people come into our country. He has nothing against immigration. He just said he likes to have the right people coming into our country, not people that want to change Canada. So the way it looks, I may be going to the People's Party, and I'll probably be joining their organization um, next week sometime. I'll be sending them some money. Okay, well, you bring up a great topic, Ralph. Let's talk about the People's Party a little bit. Uh, I'm here with Charles Bird, Managing Principal of the Toronto Office of Earnscliff Strategy Group. John Capobianco is with me, political commentator, and Lauren Bosanoff of the Forum Research Group. Jane for Libby here on Zoomer Radio. What about this Maxime Bernier and the People's Party? They are accused, Charles, of saying all of the things that Ralph 
Gustav points out, but really it's just masking for for racist type policies. Uh, there is um, definitely a nationalistic tone to Mr. Bernier's messaging. Um, it is uh, astonishing to me that he came as close to winning the federal conservative leadership as he did. I think it, it really speaks volumes about the makeup of the Conservative Party of Canada at the moment in terms of its right-wing tendencies. Um, and what's very interesting, though, is how he will play in Quebec which is obviously a critical battleground. I know John and my conservative friends are hoping that uh, their candidates can make some inroads in the Quebec City area. Um, and there's no doubt that as a native Quebecer, Maxime will, in fact, um, play significantly in that province, if nowhere else. And it'll be very interesting to see what kind of vote splitting impact he has on conservative fortunes there and potentially elsewhere because i mean it was only just this past friday that uh, the premier's sister-in-law um, came out deciding to run in the premier's riding albeit in the federal version thereof right we're not a ford the, yes. the people's party and that that is quite quite a uh, a coup if 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 one could call it such john your thoughts on maxime bernier and renata ford for that matter we don't know a whole lot about her except uh, what she had to endure um, as uh, the wife of the now late infamous Rob Ford. Yeah, and and um, um, I think it's an interesting you know selection for for Max Maxime, um, and you know and and I think that you know it was probably more. Uh, to get the publicity um, that he did, I think we're, we're, the fact that we're talking about Maxime Bernier and the fact that he was, you know, talking about candidates in the 416 was largely because he was able to to get Renata to agree to uh, to run for his party. Um, you know, I think at the initial stages uh, there was some concerns amongst conservatives that Max might might you know tear into or take parts of of the conservative vote but i think as we've seen over the last year or a year a little bit as as maxine has tried to uh, formulate his party uh and some of the candidates that he's attracted in some of the by-elections um over the course of the last little while i think that that fear is is no longer there um in fact he um there was a by-election in uh, one of the 905 ridings uh newmarket or 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 around there, that uh, that Maxine's candidate there actually placed lower than the Elvis Presley impersonator, uh, who uh, who who uh, actually did better than Max's candidate in in that by election. So, you know, I think I think you know he he's at one percent, but uh, but I think it's only because pollsters round up um, to give him that. But um, you know, again, you never know. Elections do matter, and campaigns do matter, and we'll see what kind of candidates he has, and and I'm sure. That the media will will vet the candidates that Max uh, has as much as they have with all the other parties in uh, in the past, and we'll see what comes out of that. Lauren, I'm curious about whether you think that the whether the People's Party will negatively affect the Conservatives or the Liberals. And the reason I mention the Liberals is because uh, Trudeau obviously polls much stronger in Quebec. Would the People's Party, for those who are frustrated with the Liberals, uh, what, might they benefit from that rather than uh, the Conservatives being infringed upon by the more right wing element uh, of the Conservative wing? So, you know, the problem with the People's Party is they're now, I'll say, the sixth party uh, of a national party. So <clears throat> it's really hard for them to gain traction. They're at 2% in, in our polls in Quebec, not much of a factor. It is probably pulling uh, from the, the Tory vote a little bit. So might might be hurting the Tories in, in extremely uh, close races. 
Otherwise, they they really haven't uh, got off the ground. I'd like to address the Jugmeet Singh Elizabeth May competition, Charles. Uh, the Greens have made some inroads over the last year uh, here in Ontario with uh, the Green Party leader winning the first seat, Mike Schreiner. Uh, PEI had a good showing in their provincial election by the Greens. Nearly formed government. Right. Western Canada uh, in British Columbia. Might Elizabeth May take some seats from Jugmeet Singh? Um, I think, and I defer to Lauren in this regard, but I, my sense is that um, the Green Party could end up costing Jagmeet Singh some seats just in terms of the, the very real threat that they pose to the NDP in terms of their core constituency. And frankly, there may be some degree of a threat to the Liberals' fortunes as well in that regard. The, the Greens lack a national infrastructure. That is a huge advantage, advantage that the three mainstream parties enjoy from election to election that other newer parties like the People's Party and like the Green Party don't necessarily enjoy. That comes with, you know, a a huge number of people who want to run for them, 338 in the case of the mainstream parties. It comes with um, national budgets, established fundraising techniques. So it will be, unless the Green Party absolutely catches fire, um, it, you would think that their growth would be incremental for the next few elections. Uh, Lauren Charles suggests that you might have some information on that uh, polling information about whether the Greens can steal seats from the NDP. So, you know, I agree with what Charles was saying. Just one other other piece of information here. In terms of the approval ratings, um, all, all the leaders except for Elizabeth May are underwater and have negative ratings. Elizabeth May is the sole exception. She has a 42% approval rating, only 25% disapproval. <laughs> she has that across the country, except in, in, in Alberta, for, for obvious reasons. Um, so she's really uh, on a roll. And um, if she personally catches fire, it may give them a boost. Otherwise, uh, probably both the NDP and the Liberals are going to be impacted by the move to the Green Party. Let's go to Stephen in Parkdale. Hi, Stephen. You're on Fight Back. Go ahead. All right. Okay, um, actually, you anticipated what I was going to say mostly. That uh, to me, you know, Elizabeth May, I think, is going to have far more companions in the next parliament. I think uh, Justin Trudeau will hold on to a minority government. I think Andrew Scheer is Stephen Harper with less personality. And unfortunately, Mr. Singh, uh, the turban, you know, you just look at the laws that happen in Quebec. How can that kind of impact is going to uh, resonate there? Although but, that's not a religious symbol exactly, it's more of a cultural symbol. But I take your point. Yeah. So, uh, um, as I say, I think uh, you look at how well Jack Layton caught on in Quebec there uh, three elections ago. I think Elizabeth May has a good chance to catch on. There, uh, this time. The wave, yes. Because people, people just are, are looking at the old and saying, no, we don't want these uh, three choices. Okay, Stephen, thanks for your call. Let, before we wrap up this segment, I'd like to talk uh, most importantly about policies and what issues are going to play into this election. Lauren, uh, this morning we had your poll on how 8 in 10 Toronto voters may vote uh for their candidates based on their climate change policies. That's a, that's a huge number. 
you know what, the numbers, you know, there, there's been, I think, a turning point on the climate change issue. I mean, we've been talking about it, like, for 10 years or whatever, even, even longer. But uh, it, we have big, big numbers now on climate change. You know, we, we see the flooding of the islands. We see the flooding in the rest of the country. Um, it's really, really coming home. And uh, 81% are saying um, they agree that climate change is a serious problem, uh, in this case, for Toronto. Charles, in terms of uh, other issues, that issue, climate change, what do you think is going to play high this year? Well, that particular issue is near and dear to my heart because I worked for uh, Minister Ralph Goodale when he was Minister of Natural Resources and was with him in Kyoto, Japan in December of 1997 when the Kyoto Protocol was agreed to, which was really the first um, truly coordinated global effort to combat the problem. Um, And so I've certainly been aware of this issue for a long time. And there is no doubt in my mind that the threat is real, the threat is imminent, and part of me is very heartened to hear Lauren say that, that Canadians have finally reach that conclusion and the evidence it's not only flooding it's it's the the wildfires its impacts uh, across the board insurance uh, rates through the roof as a result of the damage that climate change is causing in terms of an issue it really boils down to whether the conservatives can paint it as it's all about the carbon tax you're you're either for a carbon tax in which case you're for the Liberals, or you're against it, in which case you're for us. That has traditionally been a very, very successful election ploy. Um, But at the same time, and I don't want to overstate this because I know John is very thoughtful on the subject, but I think the Conservatives find themselves on the wrong side of history when it comes to climate change and global warming, that this has been an issue that's been played politically to great effect. But now the chickens have truly come home to roost. What do you think, John, about what Andrew Scheer is saying uh, about climate change and his policies that he unveiled last week? Well, I think the fact that he's addressed it, I think the fact that he's um, uh, become aware of, of the reality of, of climate change, I think the only difference is the approach and how to deal with it. I think, um, you know, the Liberals under under Justin Trudeau have made a big thing about, um, you know, keeping the... Uh, the numbers, the the way that Harper had uh, had previously um, uh, committed to with the Paris Accord, and of course those numbers uh, aren't being reached, and, and many experts said that they won't be able to be reached. So no matter what um, the Liberals are trying to say that their plan is any better, um, you know, there's proof that it's not working and and it's not uh, going to get there. But I do think though that. You know, the fact that the, all parties are talking about it and all parties are trying to do something with it. Um, you know, it was heartening to see in Lawrence Poll uh, that taxes and, and taxing on ta- some form of taxes or green tax on, on, on um, um, trying to resolve the climate change issue um, is not particularly well-liked by, by people across uh, Toronto, mostly in the suburbs, I believe, the, the poll said, and Lauren could correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I think shows that, that, uh, that uh, Andrew Shearer is actually on the right track with respect to, you know, trying to tax those that are the biggest emitters and the biggest uh, polluters, but not, uh, not the ordinary Canadians who, uh, who are not particularly fond of, of more taxes on that issue. Lauren, I'll give you the final word here. Yeah, so you know what, the climate issue is, is a very nuanced, uh, nuanced issue. And, um, so the concern is there. The, the issue will be, how do you address that concern? You're going to have the two competing visions. Um, if it is perceived to be a tax, it does tend to sink things, of course, because people uh, react nailu to that. The liberals are going to have to do something to counteract the perception that this is another, another tax. 
I thank you all for being part of our strategy panel on this Tuesday. And if you didn't get through, remember, you can save your thoughts and call in on Free for All Friday. Charles Bird, John Capabianco, Lauren Bosnoff, thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.